Appalachia. Appalachia is a very distinct word, and everybody has their own opinion of what it represents. Moreover, though, whether it's right or wrong, it stirs up images of everything from indescribable mountaintop beauty, deep forest, and cabins in the wood to trailer parks, meth heads, extreme prejudice, and xenophobia. The fact that one word can bring up such a huge response is an owed to its far-reaching influence in society. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world. They once towered 30,000 feet into the air and currently stretch from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. The inhabitants of these mountains through the many years of their existence have lived through and witnessed what can only be described as horrendous, demeaning, and even downright unbelievable history as we are now learning every day is not exactly what we've been told and what was once thought to be nothing more than fairy tale is now coming to light as truth. I often hear references to the movie Deliverance or people making funny banjo sounds when describing the Appalachians. I, being born and raised in these mountains, know that nothing in fact could be more wrong or, in some cases, more right. The history that lies in these mountains is rich and has been around longer than any place in the United States. In fact, far longer than the United States itself. We'll look into these mountains and learn about the good, the bad, and the ugly history that lies within them to this very day. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley, and this is Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. Welcome back, my good friends. Thank you for your time today. It has been the natural inkling of mankind from the earliest days to ponder one common question that permeates throughout all cultures and all religions. The question is as old as mankind itself and is not necessarily handed down from generation to generation, but is formed from within oneself, springing up from the realization of self-awareness. The question is, why are we here? Is there life after we pass on to the other side, or is this it? The mystery of life itself, according to some, lies in the accidental coming together of chemicals that spark life. To others, our existence is a grand plan put together by our Creator, and our purpose here is just the beginning. Which, in short, means that there must be more to life than living here on Earth and returning to it is a be-all, end-all. The majority of people believe that there must be more, that the spirit that lives within us leaves our body upon our passing, which begs another question. Do those spirits sometimes get caught in a realm where they're left to roam the place where they last took a breath? Does it depend upon the method by which they met their demise? Unfortunately, those are questions that nobody truly knows the answer to. But there does exist evidence that there's life after death, and too many have witnessed it for it to be just shoved aside or taken lightly as some delusion. Phone calls from a deceased loved one or sighting of one who's known to have passed have been reported to the world over by folks who have nothing to gain but ridicule in some cases. The Appalachian Mountains seem to be a lightning rod for just such happenings. 
Come on in, take your shoes off, and set a spell. Let me tell you about one such place in the Appalachian Mountains. Now, if you get on Route 62 in New Haven, West Virginia, and follow it along the Ohio River toward Hartford City, you go through an area called Sliding Hill. The little towns of Hartford City and New Haven have off and on been through their many years all worked up with excitement brought on by strange tales that have from time to time been told to the citizens concerning headless ghosts and skeletons that walk the area carrying lanterns, apparently still searching for some type of treasure that is supposed to have been buried by two murderers somewhere along the Sliding Hill area many years ago. The Ohio River at this point is flowing west, but takes a sudden turn north when it contacts the hill. This is one of the sharpest turns in the entirety of the Ohio and is one of the most beautiful on top of it. The hill, as it's referred to by the locals, is one of the highest points in the entire area, jutting upward from the water's edge to a majestic height. Once one reaches the top, they are afforded a breathtaking view of the surrounded country. It is a favorite resort of lovers and Sunday walkers. Sometime back in the early days of the settlement of the Northwest Territory, two men who were disposed of, had disposed of their possessions in the East conceived the idea of making an investment in western land and came to the headwaters of the Ohio River, where after building themselves a small boat and placing their money in a bee gun, they proceeded to float leisurely down the beautiful river area, examining the country very carefully with the hope of finding themselves a homestead location. Arriving at Antiquity on the Ohio shore, they tied up for the night, as was the custom of many a traveler of the day. They were very soon fast asleep. Not even in their wildest dreams could they imagine any danger that would possibly come upon them out there in the middle of nowhere. But there were those nefarious individuals that existed during that time. They were known as highwaymen or Appalachian pirates. These men were ruthless, hardened, keen woodsmen who would rob and take life without giving it any more thought than taking their next gulp of whiskey. Somehow, as the two men slept, their trail had been carefully traced by two of these demons, who, knowing that they had that bee gum full of silver, followed them on their journey and crept up on them in their most vulnerable time. They murdered the two men in their sleep in the most brutal and inhumane manner one could even imagine, dragging their bodies under cover of darkness to a foot of a high ledge and stuffing them under a huge shell rock, the bodies remaining undiscovered until several years ago when some construction crews were blasting stone for a culvert and accidentally dug them up. That's one of the times when the story of the murders was revived, raising a big stir around those parts. Once the boat belonging to the poor murdered man was properly emptied of all its valuables, it was turned loose and drifted down the Ohio, but the murderers they now found themselves in possession of about a bushel and a half of all silver coins and began to think about their own safety. 
After all, they likely knew that there were others in their own kind roaming around the area and quite possibly could be on their trail right at that very time. After a somewhat heated debate between the two of them, they decided that the best bet would be to land and bury the money until all the danger would pass. So they eased down the river and anchored at what is known as Sliding Hill. At that time, one of the wildest and most sequestered spots between the headwaters and the Mississippi, and just above the Hartford City is where it's situated. Taking their bushel and a half of silver, they carried it about halfway up the hill where they buried it at the same bee gum in which they found it, in the boat. But by some means, in the darkness, portions of the silver coin had dropped out and were scattered along the pathway. Many of these coins have since been found at frequent intervals and are now in possession of some of the citizens of that vicinity. After the murderers had buried their booty, they hurried, hurriedly marked the spot for future identification and immediately got in their boat and got out of Dodge. So as not to be captured by the authorities or maybe attacked by their comrades. Weeks passed. They joined a band of Native Americans with whom they'd remained for a period of time, taking part in the war against the white man. But, as often happens in war, one of the bandits was killed, his head being whacked from his body by the sword of a mounted infantryman. And the other, well, he was captured, but he had been mortally wounded in the process. Before he died, he confessed the whole secret of the murder and robbery to an officer, informing him where the treasure could be found and even drawing a crude map of Sliding Hill indicating the spot where the money was buried with a hand-drawn star. That was about 1810, but the party in possession of the map and secret never made it to the place until a good number of years later. I'll be right back. You're listening to Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend with Larry Bentley. Now, the strangest thing about the whole story is that about the time the two murderers were killed, odd lights began to make an appearance at the place where the treasure was said to be buried. What appeared to be lanterns were being observed on the dead hours of the night, moving up and down from the water's edge to near halfway up the hill. People noticed these lights there regularly for nearly an entire year, and at times heard noises as if people were talking. Within a few years, after the lights began to show, a stranger made a grand appearance in the neighborhood, and it was noticed that he would pass most of his time wandering along Sliding Hill, apparently searching for something. He remained there several weeks, and before leaving, disclosed his identity as the officer who had took the dying bandit's confession, showing local folks the crudely constructed map, which indicated the location of the treasure. But as a large rock had fallen down and obliterated the spot, it was now impossible to obtain any of the buried coin, and the stranger's efforts went fruitless. Now that's about all it takes to get us hillbillies worked up. We fancy ourselves resourceful enough to move a big rock and get a bushel and a half of silver. Now worked up with the possibility of getting some of this wealth, quite a few of the local citizens began their own investigations by digging in different places near the spot where they'd seen on the map. And 
two men, brothers, found $10 worth of silver coin with that very old dates on them. But fearing people would hurt themselves poking around on a high embankment like that, the owners of the land, who were the Hartford City Coal and Salt Company, who weren't fond of such intrusions on their property to start with, soon put a stop to any further treasure hunts. Well, so they thought. They, as many do, underestimated the resourcefulness of the Appalachian, who saw this as even more fun because the challenge has been stepped up a notch. So treasure hunts pretty much continued on, producing some of the most startling tales of ghosts that one could imagine. Now, literally hundreds of people swear that they've seen the headless night walker swinging his lantern from many of their solemnly vow that they have come face to uh, well neck stump with him on numerous occasions both during the day and night and a large portion of these people are noted as being some of the most pious folks in the area once a treasure hunter had imbibed in a drink or twelve and encountered the phantom and was shocked into complete sobriety as he ran home. With the memory of that, he still refuses to pass Sliding Hill alone after night, although he had no problem doing so on a regular basis before. In fact, since encountering the ghost, he has ceased to ever take another drink to start again in his life. One evening, not long after that, the owner of a boat, while drifting down the river on his way south with his family, just happened to anchor right across from Sliding Hill for the night. And sure as you're born, after dusk had set in, this strange ominous light was clearly seen roaming up and down the hill from the beach. The man, after watching the light for a while, wondered what or whoever it happened to be what they was up to. Maybe somebody was in need of some help. He then, not knowing anything at all about the history of the hill, took his skiff across and wanted to check it all out. After getting there and nearing to a short distance away from the light, he observed one of the most hideous sights one could imagine. The sight made his skin crawl and caused him to beat it back to his boat in near shock. What he had seen was a headless, ghastly monster of huge size and was terribly angry, trying to roll away some huge rock that lay on the hillside. This was the man's first knowledge of anything unusual in that vicinity, and he and his family immediately took their boat and left for another landing, safe away from that monster. The sight was so impressed on his mind that he declares that he never believed in ghosts before, and now, by golly, he believes they positively exist. Steamboat drivers relate some odd stories in regard to what they've witnessed along Sliding Hill in the night. The strange light is often seen by many of them as it wanders up and down the hill in search of buried silver and is generally regarded as evil spirits of the long-dead Appalachian pirates. The people of Syracuse, Ohio, who live safely across the Ohio from where the light appears, say to this very day that the ghost frequently appears, and that, my good friends, is the reason that the story lives on in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia. I hope you've enjoyed our story today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, please.
please go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com. Search Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend. Give it a look over. If you'd like to join, there are several levels to do so, starting at Mountain Boomer all the way up to Appalachian Hillbilly. There's exclusive content and early ad-free releases. Binge there. You can also support the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Or you can go to Facebook group Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend podcast where we discuss everything Appalachian or about anything else you want to talk about. I'll be back soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery or Legend, and I'll see you then.